Good morning. There are four scripture readings this morning. The first is taken from Luke 7, verses 18 to 19 and 21 to 23. The disciples of John the Baptist told John about everything Jesus was doing. So John called for two of his disciples, and he sent them to the Lord to ask him, Are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? At that very time, Jesus healed many people of their diseases, illnesses, and evil spirits. He restored sight to many who were blind. Then he told John's disciples, Go back to John and tell him what you have seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. Luke 9, 1-2. One day, Jesus called together his 12 disciples and gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Matthew 24, verse 14. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he, who was seated on the throne, said, Behold, I am making all things new. Revelations 21, verses 3 to 5. Jesus is king, and his kingdom is coming. That's what today is all about. As Ryan mentioned, it is a day for us to celebrate as a church. It's a day for our organizations to celebrate as well, uh, because it is our privilege. It's our privilege to partner with you, and in 2018, it's been our privilege to give away a million dollars to these organizations, to see God's work go forward. But it's also a chance for us to revisit and answer the question of why and how. Why do we do this? Why do we give so generously? Why do you do the work that God has called you to do? And how do we do more? How does this just become the beginning? How does a million dollars just be the foundation for what we can do going forward? And how do we as a church continue to be about that? Um, that question, or those two questions, have been answered to me through a conversation between my wife and my daughter. And if you're at the women's retreat, you heard a little bit of this, but it hit her differently than it hit me, and so I'm going to go a little different direction uh, from what Amber said yesterday. Uh, but my daughter, Maya, and, and Amber were skipping along the street because that's how my daughter goes through life. She doesn't walk. She doesn't run. She skips through life. She's this vibrant, cute, seven-year-old little girl, and she's skipping along with Amber, and out of, out of her mouth, she asked this question. 
If Jesus were still alive, would all the homeless have homes? Would all the sick be healed? Would every child in all the world find a family? Whew. A cute little seven-year-old with a prophetic punch. She is her mother's daughter. Um, but what she is expressing is all of our desires. All of us walk through the streets of New York City and we think, when will this homeless crisis end? We see human trafficking and we say, when will this end? When will education be thriving in every corner of every part of this world? That is the heartbeat of everybody. And she's just expressing what we all desire and what we all want. And her premise is really, really good. <laughs> Because she has heard about Jesus and the stories that she hears in kids' ministry and the stories she reads in the story of the Bible at home. That's what Jesus did, what we just read. He fed the hungry. He invited the lonely into his family. He healed everyone that was sick, that was brought to him, that believed that he had the power to do it. He set people free. That's what he did. So her premise is good. If he would have just stayed alive, he would have done that forever and it would have been over. But while her premise is good, it's the opposite that is true. It isn't that he died and so therefore that ended. It's the very reason that he died. The very reason that he died was so that the homeless would get homes, that the sick would be healed, that human trafficking would end. Because he said, if I do not die, if I do not resurrect and go away, then the helper cannot come. But I must go away that the helper, the Holy Spirit, can be poured out upon everyone who believes, and then they can be empowered with the same gifts that I have operated in to do my works and to do even greater works than these. That's what he said. That's what he promised. That's what he wants for us. And so instead of one person, King Jesus, doing it all, he said, through my kingdom people, the heirs of my throne, they will walk by the power of my Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts to bring my kingdom. And so those ideas is what I want to unpack for us today. Three ideas. Jesus is king. His kingdom is coming. And his kingdom will only come through you. Jesus is king. His kingdom is coming. And his kingdom will only come through you. So let's look at Jesus as king. In Luke chapter 7, the first passage is read today. John's disciples have just seen Jesus raise someone from the dead in the middle of a funeral. And they run back to tell John what they've seen. And he sends them back with this question. Are you the Messiah? Are you the expectant one or should we look for another? And it's that question. It's that question that the gospels have been speaking to from the very beginning to the end. And the answer is the same. Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Son of Man who was promised. He is the King of the Jews. He is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is the one they were waiting for. They do not have to look for another. And Jesus declared it in his first statements. After he was baptized, after the Holy Spirit descended upon him in the form of a dove to empower his ministry, he goes into the synagogue. And this is what happens in Luke chapter 4. It says, he returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. 
He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, he gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. From the beginning, he declared, I am the one anointed by the Holy Spirit of God to be the king that brings God's kingdom. And then John's disciples come and they ask him. This is my favorite part of the story. They ask him this question. And instead of just declaring it again, he demonstrates it. While they're there, he heals diseases. He gives sight to the blind, and then he says, go and tell John what you've seen and what you've heard. You have now become witnesses to be a testimony, not just that you've heard me say it, but you've seen me do it. I have demonstrated my power and my authority by the power of the Holy Spirit that I am king. I am king. In two more instances, that question is asked. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus comes back into his disciples, and he asks them this question, who do the crowds say that I am? They say, well, you're a good teacher, like John the Baptist, or you seem to have the power of the prophet Elijah. And he looks at Peter and he says, but who do you say I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. And then at the end of his life, he's facing Pilate, and Pilate asks him, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus' answer is, you have said it so. They didn't kill Jesus because he was a good teacher or because they had power of the prophet Elijah. They killed Jesus because he was a king that threatened their kingdoms, their individual kingdoms and their, the Roman kingdom. He threatened their kingdom, and so they killed him. But they didn't know that he came not to be a king who conquered kingdoms, but he came to be a king that conquered death. And so though they crucified him, though they killed him, on the third day he rose again. And then he ascended into heaven to sit at the right hand of the throne of God to declare forever and to demonstrate forever that he's the king, not just over every kingdom, but the king over our reality, every ounce of it. So that if he can defeat death, what can he not do in every individual's life? The prime minister of the Netherlands and great theologian Abraham Kuyper put it this way. That as he's becoming king, there is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. Jesus is king. He came to become your king. And so the answer that you have to account for today is the same question that Jesus asked Peter. Who do you say he is in your life? Because when you say, Jesus is king over my mind, over my heart, over my hands, it empowers you with a hope and a confidence that is unlike the natural efforts and energy and passions that you have. You are enlisted into his kingdom work by the power of the Holy Spirit to be like King Jesus. That's what he promised. He told his disciples, I give you the power and authority. 
He says, wait in Acts chapter 2 for the Spirit to come from on high so that you will do the works that I've done. Jesus is king. And so we as a church, we give our money because Jesus is king. We give our time and our energy and our love because Jesus is king. And we will declare every day, Jesus is king. And before I move on to talk about his kingdom is coming, I want to make sure it is very clear that I connect the dots for you of how. Jesus wasn't some special, just supernatural being. He was that. But he laid aside his divinity so that he could be empowered by the Holy Spirit to demonstrate what is possible for those who are empowered by the Spirit of God. That he was a king by the Holy Spirit. That's why he says, wait for the power from on high. Don't just look to me to accomplish all those things. You can have the power to accomplish them and more. Jesus is king by the power of the Holy Spirit. And his kingdom is coming by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the second section is that his kingdom is coming. And his kingdom is his reign and our reality. And it is happening through supernatural mercy and miracles. Through supernatural mercy and miracles. The last passage that we read was Revelation chapter 21, 3 through 5. It's a picture of the fullness of God's kingdom when it will come one day. And when that day comes, there will be no more tears, there will be no more pain, all of our longings, all of our hope will be fulfilled. There will be nothing that will stop us from loving each other fully. There will be nothing that will stop us from healing everything. It will all be done. All things will be made new. But right now we live in a gap. We live in a gap of the story of Revelation and the story of our reality. And the Spirit of God is coming to give spiritual gifts so that we close that gap. His kingdom coming is to close the gap between our reality and revelation so that we can experience it now. When Jesus left, he's sitting on his throne in heaven to empower us with the Holy Spirit with spiritual gifts. And those spiritual gifts fall in two categories. They are supernatural mercy and miracles. And I say supernatural mercy because we partner with nonprofits in this city that are doing supernatural mercy, not just mercy. There's a difference. Because you might be able to say and look at me and go, well, it looks the same. <laughs> Often, spiritual gifts look the same on the surface. But when you go underneath, they are empowered by something very unique. Because only the Spirit of God can accomplish what is happening in these organizations. When I go and I hear about Restore, and I hear about them rescuing people from human trafficking from the domain of darkness in this city to restore to them dignity, to give them the job training skills so they can now become contributors to society where they've only been consumed their whole lives, that is the supernatural spirit of God. When I go to the Lower East Side on a Saturday morning and I see the lines around the block to get groceries to fill our week, they do this every Saturday morning. How do they have enough food? How do they have enough money? How do they have enough energy to do it? The Holy Spirit of God. Amen. If you walk a few blocks away, there is a church worshiping called Communitas for the homeless inside the rescue mission. Because the Holy Spirit of God has said, we want you to have a home and a family to no longer be on your own. That is the Holy Spirit of God. We got to spend time in Barcelona with my friend Joey this summer. 
when I sat and I heard about his ministry and work among economic migrants who find themselves away from their homes, not by their choice, but without a home, with little hope, and he is preaching the good news to them, that is the Holy Spirit of God, because anybody can do mercy and anybody can do justice. But not anybody can do it with the power of the Holy Spirit. Not anyone can sustain that and not be burnt out. Can continue to love the people that they serve without getting bitter and frustrated about seeing such hard and little progress. That's the Holy Spirit of God. But we don't give that the attention when it comes to spiritual gifts. Because if we were going to kind of categorize spiritual gifts, the supernatural, mercy, and miracles, we'd say they're the tame gifts and the wild gifts. There's the tame gifts of mercy and helps and giving and administration and leadership. And I use the language of tame because they're the ones that we've leaned into, so they're familiar. We feel comfortable with them in our midst, especially in our culture, where leadership is exalted and we have best practices a lot. Mercy is embraced. And so these are tame, not because they're natural, but because we have leaned into them, church. And LMCC is no different. We have operated in the tame spiritual gifts of giving because there's no other way to explain this generosity. Anybody can give, but not everyone is giving to the radical extent that this church is giving, that you are giving. That's only explained by the supernatural Holy Spirit of God giving you gifts of generosity and letting us use that for the gifts of mercy and helps to go forward in power in this city so that Jesus, by his kingdom work, can claim back every square inch of every square block in New York City and the world to be under his kingdom. That's what he's doing. But church, hear this. We've been fighting with one hand. There is a one-two punch of supernatural mercy and miracles, and we've been fighting with one hand tied behind our back because we tied our hand behind our back. We have had this powerful jab of the spiritual gifts of mercy and helps and giving. And God says, but have both punches of mercy and miracles. And that's what he's doing in this church. And that's what he wants to do in this city. Is that we punch with both. Supernatural mercy and supernatural miracles. And church, that's why I'm preaching today. Because a few months ago when we decided that we were going to do something different, we felt it was right for me to preach. We didn't know why. But as God began to move in Ryan, as God began to take over this church by the power of his spirit and move in ways unlike any other, I began to share with Ryan my stories. And then two weeks ago, he said, I think you need to share that story. I said, hey, bro, you do you. You've been on that. You've been on that kick. And then that night, after community group, my wife goes, hey, when are you going to share that story? I'm like, Ryan, talk to you. (laughs) When your wife says you should do something, well, it changes the story, changes the dynamic. Here's what God's done in my life. In 2011, um, I went to a conference at the Brooklyn Tabernacle. And I went because my friend flew in and bought me a ticket so that I would go with him. Now, the conference was on being receptive and open to the Holy Spirit. Theologically, I said, yes, that's great. 
I agree that the power of the Holy Spirit still exists. Those gifts are still for today, those wild gifts of prophecy, words of knowledge, healing, miracles. Yeah, I cognitively agree that that is true. <laughs> and I thought I was open to it. But what God did over those few days is show me a couple things. I used to describe it as that I had put God in a box. <laughs> That's kind of cute. The fact is that I had built an entire house of walls that I felt really comfortable sitting inside of so that God could come in and we could hang out and it was tame and it was familiar and it was comfortable. And little by little, God began to loosen my grip over that weekend and open me up. And that weekend closed with their prayer meeting that they have every Tuesday night. Starting at 5.30, they allow you just to come and sit. And at 6.30, they allow you to come and receive prayer. And at 5.30, it was on me, you need to go and receive prayer. <laughs> I was like, oh boy. And then when they, it was time came, I saw a line, and I was like, I don't want to be in a line to go and receive prayer. <laughs> but I stood in line, and I just went and prayed. And all I did was open my hand. Someone prayed for me. I don't remember the prayer. I didn't feel anything supernatural. But then the next night after the conference was over, Amber and I are about to go to bed, and she has this nasty head cold. It's filled with pain. It just feels clogged. I said, well, why don't we pray for it? So I put my hand on her head. I pray. I say amen. She goes, whoa, it's completely cleared. Awesome, let's go to sleep. <laughs> That's what I said. Um, and the next morning as we're having coffee, she says, hey, do you think you might have the gift of healing? I'm like, no, 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 no. She goes, well, remember Chelsea in our first community group who had a cyst on her ovary and you prayed for her and the next Tuesday it was gone? Remember these last couple years how we haven't had to go to the doctor because you prayed for our kids and they've been healed and haven't stayed sick? Now, to be fair, I believe in doctors, okay? I'm not, <laughs> I'm just glad I didn't have to pay for doctors for a couple years. <laughs> and I'm like, well, maybe, but I don't know. She's like, I think you should tell the pastors at our church I was on staff at. And I was like, oh, gosh, we have a pastor's meeting that night. I'm like, of course. So I tell them. And we're in a church that, yes, again, cognitively open. But that's not what we practice. That's not what we do. And to their credit, I share with them, and the lead pastor said, if you would have told me you had gifts of teaching and preaching, I would have said, let's find opportunities for you to do that. Why would I do anything different with the gift of healing? okay, you want me to practice this? I just was like, okay. And then a month later, he started a new series on the signs of Jesus in the Gospel of John. And without my permission, he shared that story in the sermon without my name, without kind of context of it. And a woman came up to him afterward and said, is that guy here? And so he brought her back to me. And she shared with me that she had this pain in her shoulder that had begun to just creep over into her chest. And I said, okay, well, let's pray. And we sat down. I put my hand on her shoulder. And I prayed. And I said, amen. And she starts crying. I'm like, what have I done? <laughs> what did I say? And she goes, it's gone. It's completely gone. I'm like, oh, I'm going to give you a moment. Because I needed a moment. And I was like, oh, gosh, what is going on? And then the next week, we had this prayer meeting, and I didn't tell anybody. I just said, God, if you want someone healed, have them come to me and ask for prayer. 
And a guy came and he said, I have this pain in my lower back and I've had it for weeks. And as I prayed, I sensed it wasn't just pain, it was stress. So I prayed for peace and I prayed for the pain to go away. And I said, amen, and he looked at me with these wide eyes. He goes, I feel the point where it was painful, but there's no pain. And then the next week, a woman came who had been bedridden for four weeks to the point where she almost lost her job. She had to get her dad to fly in to help her to get to church. She came to me to receive prayer. And I prayed that she would be healed, and I sensed that God was saying, by the time she gets to the subway, she will be healed. Every step, I'm going to heal her. And I told her that. Every step, God will heal you, and by the time you get to the subway, you'll be healed. The next morning, I get an email, and she was healed. And not only that, she said, I had been praying for my dad to see a miracle, because last Christmas, he told me, I will never believe in God, and especially not Jesus, unless I see a miracle. <laughs> wow. And over the next few months, I kept, this kept happening over and over and over again. But part of the reason I think I'm supposed to share today is that... Um, Later that year, through various circumstances, I took that gift and I put it on the shelf. I returned back to the tame gifts of mercy, of leadership. I began to be comfortable with that and become an advocate for mercy and for the organizations that are in this room to the point that I even eventually left the church ministry role, worked for a nonprofit, worked to see that that furthered. And yet here I am again where God wants to once again bring both punches. And he's asking us as a church, will we shrink back? Will we keep gifts on the shelf? Or will we fully embrace the one-two punch of the kingdom of God to see it come in New York City as it is in heaven? That's what he's asking of us. That's what he's asking of us. So the kingdom of God is coming, and we cannot shrink back, we cannot be shy, we cannot hide. It is time for us to stand up to be a testimony to all the nations of the kingdom of God so that the end will come and revelation will become a reality. So the last point I have for you is that his kingdom will only come through you. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus' words to his disciples are his words to you today. That if you are his disciple, he says to you, I give you power and authority to cast out demons and to heal all diseases. That's his word to you today. Because if you are his disciples, he has right now given you everything you need to bring his kingdom. He's given you it all. And as I prayed, I feel like God told me to remind you of, the th- of three things that he has given you. The first is love, the second is permission, and the third is power. Love, permission, and power. That's what God has given you. Because he wants you to desire these gifts. But in 1 Corinthians 12, he talks about the tame and the wild gifts and how they come into his church. He says this, earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you still a more excellent way. Because if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Church, your job is to love, and it is God's job to heal. 
Your job is to love. It is God's job to save, to heal, and to change lives. And for some of us, our love is cold. Even those of you in ministry, your love has grown cold for the work that you are doing. And today, he wants it to burn hot like a fire again. And he wants to restore to you that first love feeling of his love for you so that you have that love for them. He has given you an overflowing, overwhelming amount of love through the Holy Spirit by which you cry out, Abba, Father, I love you and you love me so that then you can love those he's placed in your midst. You have the love of God in you to bring his kingdom. It is your job to love. It is God's job to heal. Second is permission. Some of you need to be reminded that God has given you permission to live fully for his kingdom, to punch with both hands and not just with one. There are those of you in here who have set those gifts on the shelf, who have said those gifts are not for me, they're for somebody else, but they're for someplace else, and God is saying, no, they are for you, and they are for here, and they are for now. And you have the permission to bring God's kingdom in your company, in your apartment, in this city, into Dysprosis. You have the permission to bring God's kingdom where you are right now. You need to hear that the gifts that you have experienced in the past are not gone. They are not forgotten. But today, there will be a fresh anointing. Today, there will be a fresh renewal. Today, there will be a fresh experience that you can be restored and revived so that his kingdom can come again, once again, through you as it is in heaven. You have the permission to live fully for the kingdom of God. And lastly, you have the power. It was the Holy Spirit of God that resurrected Jesus from the dead. And he says that same power lives in you. And it will give life to your mortal bodies. And it will give you power and authority to cast out demons and to heal all diseases. It is in you. Let it awaken within you. Do not quench the spirit within you, but let it be revived and alive in you. And so here again the words of Jesus to you. I give you power and authority to cast out demons and to heal all diseases because Jesus is king. His kingdom is coming and it will only come through you. Let's pray. Father, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Today, God, we say that you are king. You have established Jesus as king. He is king over our minds, over our hearts, and over our hands. And so pour out your Holy Spirit upon this place here in Tudisbrosis, that your kingdom would come now, that today you would spark a movement in this place that would infiltrate every block throughout this city and every corner of this world, that the gospel of the kingdom may be preached, that your ends would come. So Holy Spirit, come and fall. Revive us again. Open us again to your power. 
Let us walk in your permission to live fully for you and overwhelm us with your love. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Now we're going to do a time of response, and there's two things you can do today. The first is that you can come and receive communion here at the front. And today it needs to be different than you've done it before. Because you need to come with a faith that declares, this is why Jesus died, that I'm taking the bread and I'm dipping it in the wine so that I can be reminded that he would ascend to the throne and be a king so that I can live for his kingdom by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the faith attached to communion today. And the second is that you can come and receive prayer. And this is for everyone. We believe that part of our time of prayer is for you that have come to represent organizations that we might pray over you, that you would receive a fresh anointing, that you would receive a fresh renewal in your spirit, in your soul, and a conviction of your calling, that you would have new power, new energy, new strength to do things in your organizations that you haven't seen before as we're experiencing the same thing here in our church. And lastly, it's for any of you who call Jesus King, that you might come and you receive For some of you, it's going to receive gifts today. Others, it's to receive physical healing. That's for you, and that's for now. So whatever it is for you today, we invite you to come and receive prayer, and then we're going to continue to worship King Jesus. So come when you're ready.